Good morning, everyone. This is John Lundorf, uh, your Radio Nibbles host, and it's time for Kitchen Table Talk, which is our monthly, hour-long, food-focused show. Uh, we, we're going to welcome your uh, calls. We have some uh, incredible guests, and uh, we're going to cover a lot of different uh, food-related topics, including uh, the joy of fresh tomatoes and uh, what's going on in the restaurant world. Um, so, my congenial co-host is here, Chef Dan Asher. How Hi. are you? How Good are morning, you? everyone. Thank you. Great to see you, John. Would you like to uh, introduce our uh, fabulous guests? I would. Yes, I would love to. We have a, a full studio this morning. I'm I'm super excited. Such a wonderful collaboration of energy and visions and um, concepts. Um, Hosea uh, Rosenberg, a chef, owner, uh, founder of. Um, two amazing culinary experiences in town, uh, Black Belly and Santo, um, and also um, Sophie's Neighborhood. That's right. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Chef? I'm um, fantastic. It's so lovely to be in the room with you again. It's. I feel the same way. It's been It's been way too long. Um, and then we have uh, Helen Skiba, um, owner of Artemis Flower Farm. Helen, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, and, and just uh, where is uh, where is Artemis? Artemis is up on 63rd and Oxford Road, so between Longmont and uh, and Boulder. Um, and we are part of the uh, Treehouse Farm Collective, so we're on a property with two other farms, Spiegel oh. Farm and Gardens and also Jolly Radish Farm. Okay, we'll talk about that. That's right. Amazing. Um, and then uh, Caitlin Rose Kenny, a founder of The Threshold Project. Uh, we've done um, a couple awesome experiences together. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. And you're, uh, there's a, a beautiful visual garnish of some of the most stunning blooms I've ever seen. I see some incredible uh, dahlias and um, unbelievable flowers that I'm sure we will uh, discuss in a little bit. But I just want to acknowledge that the studio is uh, vibrant and in bloom. And uh, it also smells good because uh, Hosea brought some uh, breakfast burritos from uh, Black Belly. Oh, sweet. And uh, and some baked goods, too. So you guys, uh, the, some of the studio helpers have already been in there, but you guys are welcome to try some. Mm. And uh, I, I think I asked you earlier, but uh, so at both Black Belly and at Santo, you make uh, burritos. Yeah, we do breakfast uh, burritos at both restaurants. But, and there's... But, but which one is best? <laughs> uh there you you'd have to ask our public we've actually done burrito offs before where we ask <laughs> everyone on instagram to tell us yeah. which one is better they're different the one at yeah. santo is is uh it's red chili yeah. and there's some beans in there scrambled eggs tater tots which make them and some cheese and then at black belly they're more uh yeah. simple but but f maybe fluffier eggs i don't know they're yeah. also scrambled eggs cheese green chili and tater tots and and uh you can get them with meat or without yeah i'd say it's a, a controversial and polarizing topic hosea yeah. i literally just had a conversation with someone and i said i'm gonna um go over to black belly to get a burrito and they literally said no <laughs> no 
go to Santo. Mm-hmm. We actually have people that will drive across town even though they live near one of the restaurants and yeah. go to the other to get the burrito or vice versa. It's sort of yeah. like this nation and the politics. Uh-huh. It's we're uh-huh. split, split over burritos split. right now. Yeah. It's profound mm-hmm. the uh the the uh conflict over that, mm-hmm. but I do want to say, you know, in among our um restaurant group, we have constant dialogue of what is what is our black belly burrito? It's like a spiritual, mythical concept. I didn't know I was a... Of like creating this amazing um, item that people line up for every day. And it's craveable and delicious and made with love and filled with phenomenal um, ingredients sourced with a high level of regard. Right. And, uh, it's like find your burrito. I think that's a good spiritual message. I love it. Thank you. I didn't know we were so impactful. Yes. Uh, It's great great (laughs) to hear. (laughs) And, uh, judging by the line and the, uh, gridlock that happened, uh, over the last couple of days, I mean, you know, apparently, uh, Boulder had a, a need for voodoo donuts. Uh, that's right. It's, uh, it's, uh, there's been a hubbub, uh, about that, but, uh, you know, I always say Boulder is where, Donut chains come to die, <laughs> and they do. <laughs> well, ironically, where our butcher shop is used to be a donut shop yes. when we first opened. Black yeah. Belly uh, uh, Dizzy's Donuts yes. was in that uh, location, right. and they, yeah. they didn't make it. And but. so, I, I online I, I I made a comment that comment about a restaurant about uh, donut shops, and I listed off the twenty donut shops in the past thirty years that have lasted a while, and then died because people in boulder are so healthy uh but uh, we'll 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 see anyway that was a big uh a big addition to uh you know when was uh, that grand opening yesterday or i something. thought it was out. yeah yeah that's big right. lines. and i will note you guys being chefs you'll appreciate this but uh this voodoo donuts in boulder is the only one that isn't pink because they wouldn't allow them to paint ah. it pink and that's Boulder right there in a, wow. in a nutshell. Daniel, you've never run into any issues with uh, getting things accomplished? D- accomplished in this town, have you? No. Uh, no, Chef. Me neither. No. Yeah. And uh, I Chef Asher, I, yes. I, I'm, I'm obliged to, to ask. Um, we were sad to hear that your restaurant, uh, Ashkara, on the downtown uh, mall, yes. uh, just off, uh, uh, closed last week. And, yeah. And... Uh, uh in 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 a simple way what 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 happened um i would say yeah you know it's 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 uh incredibly sad and challenging um you know we had such a a beautiful space and such an awesome um expression and unique um you know flavor profile of that region of the world cooking which i think was you know fairly unique in town um but it's uh you know it's it's a tough market it's challenging and it's a very um it's a business that constantly keeps you on your toes um and has very um you know tiny um micro adjustments perpetually and if those um you know adjustments aren't timed properly sometimes things stop making as much sense as they did so sounds like farming lots of, sounds like farming yeah i think uh-huh. i think uh, the restaurant business and the farming business have a lot of overlap as far as um you know, inputs versus outputs uh, are, are perpetually yeah. challenging. And I think the, um, you know, the collective that goes in, you're waiting for this um, harvest of sorts, you know, or a, a specific yeah. type of yield. Yeah. And if that doesn't yeah. happen, um, then you have to make some um, very challenging and very um, necessary decisions. But I want to thank everyone that was involved 
um, in that, and we had you know mm-hmm. amazing people and mm-hmm. uh, incredible and a, humans and, and food and an amazing pita bread. <laughs> amazing pita, yeah. So anyone that's so, still craving the uh, Ashkara deliciousness, uh, come visit the Denver location, right at uh, yeah thirty third uh, Tejon downtown Denver. And in Boulder, River and Woods is still uh, doing uh, fabulously. Yeah, River. You know, our 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 backyard, ha- you know, has become like a huge part of the community. Uh-huh. Having that, you know, large outdoor space um, is amazing. Um, and, um, yeah, phenomenal weekend brunch and beautiful yeah. nightly dinner service. Yeah. So, Hosea, what's uh, the biggest thing that's happened uh, for you in the past year as you totally remodeled Black Belly and the market and all that stuff? It was a and huge it, remodel. And yeah, we, we just don't learn our lessons, do we, Daniel? We just keep doing more. <laughs> just uh, keep going for it, Chef, yes. Uh, not unlike <laughs> with Dizzy's Donuts, there was a Quiznos adjacent to Black Belly, and they went out of business a little over a year ago, so I snatched up the place because... Uh, you know, I wanted to make my life more complicated, uh, <laughs> but we moved our market and butcher shop into this new space that is really bright and light. There's a lot of windows in the past. The butchers were kind of working in a hole and now they're on display and they've got sunlight. They can actually see the mountains. So it's a much bigger space. It's really, really pretty. Uh, we've got this nice big patio and a pri- um, private dining room. Also, And added. we added in a private dining room and we actually gave our catering staff a kitchen to work in, which they never had before. So we have the whole building now. Um, there's sort of four things happening. We've mm. got the restaurant that's always there dinner only. We have our catering that we've been doing for over a decade now. Uh, the butcher, which is Boulder's only whole animal butcher shop, and we're working with local local farms, uh, mm-hmm. raising whole, you know, bringing so, in whole animals, including Buckner. Right? Uh, Buckner is our only source of lamb. Uh, we love Clinton Mary Kay very much. Uh, they're wonderful people, and, and, then, yeah. and um, they they have actually had a long connection to KGNU. Oh, uh, they're just just fabulous folks. Uh, can't can't say enough good about them. Uh, so we we yeah. we serve a lot of lamb. Uh, Black Belly is actually named after a breed of lamb. Um, so it's really important to us that we source our, our animals from people that we know and we know uh, how they treat their, their, their livestock. Um, let's talk about flowers. Yes. <clears throat> Helen, yeah, please tell us. Um, you have such an interesting um, background in agriculture and botany, Peace Corps. Mm-hmm. But, really uh, beautiful and I, things. And also your, I, I, I love the, the collective farm idea. Can you talk about both things? Certainly, yeah. <clears throat> so... Um, the Treehouse Farm Collective started in 2020 when uh, Alice and Carl Sterick, who run the Golden Hoof over on 75th and J, um, they uh, have the second property and the tenants there went bankrupt. It was a hemp farm and, you know, they just rode that bubble and it, it, it popped. Um, so they were looking for new tenants in 2020 um, and then... I was uh, working at another farm at that time and was looking for a way to move on and start my farm again. And um, so I got hooked up through friends and through the farming community with um, Cody and Melissa, who run Speedwell Farm and Gardens. And uh, we put together a proposal um, to lease that piece of land. And because it's a big piece of property. It's 17 acres, um, which for us is pretty large. We're, you know, small scale, hand size, you know, hand scale um, farmers. And uh, so we needed to have a group of people to be able to, first of all, run and take care of that land and also to pay the significant rent. So, you know, it's a property that's really set up for agriculture. So it's valuable. It has, you know, a greenhouse. It has an irrigation system. It has yeah. a pond, has water rights, all of that. So, um 
it was a really wonderful opportunity and um, to be able to hook up with a group of people. So uh, myself, Cody, Melissa, my partner, Nelson, and then our other farm partner, Matt Kebbing, um, we all got together uh, along with some people who are renting out a barn on the property. And um, we formed the Treehouse Farm Collective. So the Treehouse Farm Collective is just a, an LLC um, that basically takes in and pays the rent for the property. And then we sublease individual parcels or spaces mm. on the land to our individual businesses. But, but you're cooperative with each other. Absolutely, yeah. So we're cooperative in the way that we all have our individual businesses. Sure. Um, but we are, you know, strategizing about the land together. We are uh, doing things, going in for grants together. We're sharing equipment, sharing tools, sharing seed as it makes sense, sharing shipments because, you know, we get, if we get things in bulk, then we can get a lower rate, that kind of thing. And then of course, the most important thing is that we're sharing knowledge between each other because when you're farming, oftentimes you're, um, sort of siloed, right? You're on your own piece of land in your own headspace, running your own business. And a lot of the time you just don't have that kind of, um, I don't know, camaraderie or bouncing off of ideas with other people. So it's really cool to have people on the same piece Um, of property to um, share challenges with and, um, and have just more brain power. And you may also have, you know, more, um, more market, you know, because everything that comes along with them comes to me as well. So where are your flowers available? Uh, so I sell them through our uh, farm share, so a, like a CSA. Um, so that's a... So like a bouquet a week? Yeah, a bouquet a week. Um, yeah, or every other week. Some people do that. I go to the Netherland Farmer's Market and to the uh, City Park Farmer's Market. We do wedding design on the farm. And then my most favorite thing that I love to invite people to is our on-farm workshops. So we do floral design um, and we also do some floral garden, flower gardening classes in the spring mm-hmm. and the fall and we've been able to hook up with uh caitlin so caitlin has done a couple of workshops on the farm that um will incorporate yoga and maybe other things in the future so was that yogurt no (laughs) (laughs) yogurt it could it could yogurt and yoga sounds like a great morning yes very healthy choice. Yes, totally. <laughs> I, th- I thought you guys all ate uh, voodoo donuts before you do your yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about the, um, the Threshold Project. Threshold yeah. Project, yeah. Yeah, um, so I'm the founder of Threshold Project, and I'm going to back up and get to what that is um, in just a moment. But uh, I'm not a farmer, and I'm not a chef, but I have friends in those worlds, and mm. Um, have a lot of admiration for all of you, and I'm really happy to be here. Um, in 2020, when COVID hit, I had some free time because I was a yoga teacher, and so I was no longer teaching public classes. So I volunteered on Helen's flower farm. That was when we met. And as I was spending time out on the farm, so many things, I mean, it was the spiritual p- experience, just being that close to the land and learning so much from Helen and the other farmers. And the landscape, the weather, there's just so much going on. It's so vivid and alive and dead and beautiful. Um, And as I was out there, I was like, people need to connect more. (laughs) There. To the farms. In the place. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the physicality. The physicality of it. it, The sensorial experience of it. Terroir. To be in the terroir. The yeah. terroir. You're, everything that you're smelling, everything that you're seeing, that you're tasting. Um, I've long been 
obsessed with food and wine. I used to work in the restaurants here in Boulder and I could kind of just feel this convergence of what really matters happening in my mm. system. And I really wanted other people to experience that in a, not a pushy way in just an organic way. Um, because it, once you get people to the farm, as I'm sure you guys have found with farm dinners, mm -hmm. it's a totally different thing than mm -hmm. than it's one of my favorite than, than in a restaurant. Mm -hmm. yeah, once different. they get them under the sky, you know, there's but, a sensualness you know. to it. There's a romance that you you can't possibly get inside a building. Exactly, and it really goes beyond language and words. And so, um, I just kind of started tootling around this idea in my head of like, how can I get people to the farms? And because I've been a yoga teacher uh, for over a decade in this town, I've got a pretty broad community. And I was like, this is how I'm going to bait them. Or I'm going to say I'm going to do a yoga class out on this farm. But <laughs> but what I really want to happen is I just want to get their feet out there. Yeah. And, and then Helen and I uh, did yoga in a farm spotlight. This evolved into me partnering with a bunch of farms, other friends um, at Yellow Barn Farm, Elk Run Farm, Dharma's Garden in North Boulder. And I broadened my horizons. I started bringing in musicians and artists. Well, and some of, some of the places you're talking about aren't actually typically open to the public. Correct. You know, you know, yeah. Many many are for farm dinners and stuff, but a lot of right. other ones mm -hmm. are very. It's cool. like a sneak peek. Well, yeah. they're they're very mm -hmm. cool places, but uh, unless you have a special event there, you can't actually dwell out there for a while and, right. and be present. Right, exactly. And the other thing that I saw is just farmers working so, so, so hard and that they really don't have the bandwidth to, you know, update a website or post on Instagram. Like they're growing food, which is a really hard and intensive thing to do, or they're growing beautiful flowers. Especially around here. Right? Yeah. And I felt like I could help a little bit with that by bringing more people in and bringing a bridge over from our local community to the farms. Um, and so, yeah, I just started doing events out there and that's how it began. I want to remind everyone, awesome. I want to remind everyone listening out there in the uh, beautiful uh, KGNU multiverse on various uh, platforms and uh, states of existence, which with KGNU, you never know. Uh, <laughs> This is Kitchen Table Talk. I'm John Lendorf. This is our hour-long monthly food-focused show. I have some marvelous guests here, uh, but the only thing we're uh, missing is you. Uh, we welcome you to call in with uh, questions or comments. They could be about farming. They could be about uh, how to, how to. you know, it's an incredible time. I was just talking about all the farm stands, and this is prime time for produce if you have questions about how to use the produce out there, you know, what the heck to do with a rutabaga, you know, that kind of thing, you can call us at 303-442-4242. Uh, or, you know, if you really don't want to talk on the air, you can uh, send a comment at uh, dj at kgnu.org. But uh, we welcome your questions for uh, all our guests. Yeah, and John and I are quietly... Uh toiling away on our new show let's talk turnips yes. right which is pending <laughs> yeah uh somehow it's huge following for sounds that riveting one. yeah it's riveting <laughs> captivating <laughs> i am a major turnip fan yes so see i'm looking for see? see exactly that's what we're looking for but the right yes. the right kind of turn we you know let's not we we don't want to do we did turnips the last time we could we could dwell on that the various kinds of turnips and sizes of turnips i think and, you should call it turn up the radio oh <laughs> 
Oh, see, that'll de- that'll definitely get through the programming committee. <laughs> I just think that <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. totally. <laughs> but uh, that's great. But because I'm uh, well, actually, that. I'm I'm doing this because I love tomatoes, but also because I'm writing a column about tomatoes next week. Oh, great! But I I just want to take a moment here and talk about fresh tomatoes mm. because regardless what any of us do, there's that moment when you finally get a ripe tomato from the field not yeah. a, not a greenhouse might be a little gnarly and you know and you so my question uh to you guys dan what is uh, i don't need a complicated chefy answer by the way <laughs> not that you would but what, what what's your favorite simple way to enjoy fresh tomatoes um i mean whenever you know tomatoes become a thing um, and you get to have that, you know, incredible scent uh, from the soil. It just takes me back to being, you know, five or six years old um, and picking a tomato from my mom's um, tomato plants, you know, sun-warmed um, and just biting in, into In Montreal? It. Uh, Montreal, in, um, in uh, Chicago oh. also, yeah. Um, but, yeah, originally Montreal. Thanks, John. Oh. Yeah. Um, and having that, you know, that connection to summer sunshine and tomato. But how do you eat it? But personally, (laughs) my favorite thing, you know, I, I really can't get away from, um, from a caprese salad. I think the simplicity of what that is, I like getting uh, mozzarella curds and pulling my own mozzarella when, you you know, you can look up videos on YouTube. It seems intimidating, but it's not, it's joyful and amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's like this fresh, warm ball of, of bliss. Um, and then a beautiful local soil grown organic, uh, tomato from someone that you know and adore um that's a local grower and farmer there's you know so many in town we i just got some beautiful uh my wife has incredible tomatoes in our garden um which we were just talking mm-hmm. about this morning but we get mm-hmm. we're in the farm share with um olin farms and they have some phenomenal uh tomatoes and slice it up a little bit of um sea salt some good olive oil uh some fresh you know i think i like, like using thai basil um you know throwing ver- ver- some herbs versus the uh regular genovese or yeah, yeah. yeah um it just gives it you know a different flavor profile and um and that's it slice it up fan it out sprinkle it you know a couple finishing moves with the oil and the sea salt you can add a little bit of acidity with a fresh squeeze of lemon um or some uh some vinegar you know apple cider yeah. vinegar balsamic yeah. um and just dive in it's the greatest thing ever it's affordable it's easy to do for a large yeah. large family yeah. and i love and, it and jose uh, we, we we talked a little earlier about this but uh your favorite way? Well, one of my favorite things just to to do as a person is to go out to our garden with my daughter Sophie and eat sun gold tomatoes right off the vine. Uh. She loves raw tomatoes. She she's pretty much made of tomato and bread these days. <laughs> um, so we bake we bake sourdough at home and like some really nice toasted fresh bread, lots and lots of tomato, good olive oil, good sea salt, a yeah. splash of sherry vinegar, and then. If we're going all out, we'll throw some bacon and some lettuce on Ooh. there and make a really nice BLT because that might be my deathbed meal. Oh, um, so good. So short of eating them right out, right off the vine while they're still warm in the sun is a, probably a really thick, fat, freshly made BLT. And um, awesome. if you're out there listening and you're going, but that's not the way, you know, what, what you really <laughs> need to do is, you know, feel free to uh, call us down here at 303-442-4242. And express your feelings. Uh, you know, people from certain parts of the country would uh, want to have a tomato pie. Mm. Yeah, um, share your wh- tomato wh- moment. Which, with is, us. which, by the way, is not a. Uh, you know, sometimes people talk about pizza as, as tomato pie, um, but an actual tomato pie is a pie, like a pie made mm. with 
tomato, fresh tomatoes. And, Have you uh, seen these tomato danishes from Moxie? No. Pretty amazing. No. Yeah. Oh, what's, so uh, what's what's your favorite uh, tomato way? Oh, well, I love a caprese salad, too, except for I would be remiss if I didn't give my mother's advice, which is to not use mozzarella, but to instead use burrata. And ah. I am delighted by that. It is great advice. amazing. And yeah. then she always has like a very special balsamic. Usually it's more like a syrupy balsamic, mm-hmm. something that has a little, maybe a raspberry flavor to it or something. But yeah, something unusual. So that's great. Definitely. What about you? Um, similar, but I like to do the panzanella with uh, Kim and Jake's bread because I'm gluten-free yeah. and another amazing local company. I do their peasant loaf. I just chop it up and then toss it and I... Do you toast it first? I do toast it, yes. Yep. yep. And mm-hmm. then sprinkled with the olive oil and the balsamic and a little bit of salt and yeah. lots and lots of basil. Mm-hmm. Like basil and tomatoes, they they belong together. They do. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a. I love it. That's great. You see certain couples, and you go, "Oh, they're simpatico." Yeah, that's one of those culinary ones. Basil, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could fill a garden bed with just tomatoes and basil, and be totally happy with my Uh, results of the summer. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah, hundred percent. I totally uh, agree. Hey, Jose, you uh, mentioned uh, Sophie, Mm -hmm. and um, you've got Sophie's neighborhood. Talk a little bit about uh, Sophie's uh, medical condition and the the events that are going towards helping to bring recognition to it. Sure. Um, Sophie is my beautiful six-year-old daughter. Uh, She's out in Jersey right now with her grandparents having a great time. Um, She was born with an incredibly rare condition. She's one of a few dozen people on the whole planet uh, with MCTO. It stands for Multicentric Carpotarsal Osteolysis. And it is a uh, genetic condition that um, it slowly breaks down the the bones in your joints and also affects the kidneys. Um, it's a it's a tough one because there's very few people, so there's been virtually no um, studies done and no research done on this disorder. So my wife and I, when we were uh, made aware of her condition, got the results. We started a five hundred one c three called Sophie's Neighborhood. Uh, we're on the internet, sophiesneighborhood.org. We all also on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, so we do a lot of fundraising. Mm-hmm. It's how we fund our research. All the money we raise goes to research and TM- MCTO. So we do dinners. We do ice cream socials, which we just had. Which uh, um, Thank yeah. you, Daniel, for being <clears throat> involved in that. Yeah, which I'm, I'm sure actually is probably, of all the benefit things, that's probably Sophie's favorite. I mean, who doesn't like ice cream, right? I mean, <clears throat> there's there's dairy-free ice cream. There's, there's yeah. nut-free ice cream. You know, they, you just got to serve something cold. And creamy, and uh, and not even doesn't even have to have cream mm-hmm. in it. You know, mm-hmm. you can uh, just do whatever. But um, so we a lot of restaurants and ice cream shops all over uh, will contribute during it's National Ice Cream Day, and so mm-hmm. we do it on the same day. Do you have some events coming up? Uh, we do. We just did um, a big dinner at our restaurant. We've got a, a farm dinner at Lions Farm at in September on the sixth, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, that is actually sold out, but we do have a wait list. Uh, a lot of times people have to drop out of these dinners. Mm-hmm. Speaking of farm dinners, it's yeah my favorite thing to do in the year is these outdoor dinners where we're cooking what we picked that day and we're roasting meats that we got from our local f- farmer friends. And um, yeah, so we've also got a motorcycle ride with Vana. Uh, it's this group of kind of motorcycle riders, and that's going to be at the uh, Triumph BMW um, store in Denver in um, October. 
and I'm forgetting the date. My wife's going to be mad about that. But, but if anyway. You, <laughs> but if you go to the website, you'll, you'll you see You go to the website or you follow us on social, you'll, you'll get all the details. And we have lots of events throughout the year. I want to let you know that you are, as you, you probably knew this already, but you're listening to KGNU FM. That's uh, 88.5 in Boulder. 1390 in Denver and uh, kgnu.org uh, for your streaming pleasure. And we invite you to call 303-442-4242 uh, to uh, talk tomatoes, to talk uh, flowers, like uh, keeping them alive in your garden during this uh, turbulent weather we're having this summer or anything yes. else you would like to uh, talk about. Yeah. Um, Helen, can you talk to us about the varieties of flowers that you have yeah, there? But also, but also, so uh, it has been, uh, yeah, every year and, and growing around here has been challenging, even if you just have it on the patio like me. Mm -hmm. um, everybody goes, oh, it's been raining a lot. That's probably been really good. Um, but it, it, it's had its challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we had some flooding on the farm uh, this year because our soils are heavy clay soils. That's how we are here in Colorado. And um, we're just, the, the water drains to a certain extent, but certainly not the amount of rain that we had this year and over short periods of time. And, it's very difficult. And hail? So. Did you get Thankfully, hit? we have not had significant hail on our farm, but many, many, many farmers have <laughs> throughout throughout the region and um so we're I, I kind of have some like survivor's guilt about it actually because <laughs> i feel like we you know we really lucked out um but uh but yeah so um the flowers that uh you know it has been great the water has been great flowers in our region really like water to get tall um that's one of the sort of disadvantages that we have here as opposed to a major flower growing region like the pacific northwest is that there's a lot of cloudy weather and a lot of water and so the flowers get much taller and they just are a little bit more um kind of robust i guess ours are robust in a different way in that they're tough <laughs> right. but um but yes yeah, so the the water has been different different challenges on the farm dealing with fungus and uh you know slugs as opposed to just watering and watering and having you know there and there's a lot of things that come along with the pests like you know big explosions of grasshoppers this year mosquitoes um japanese beetles that kind of thing wow. that come along with all of the water because you know water is life more water more life um and that's good and bad you know we have more predators and birds as well so um you know i think that it balances out it's just that as human beings we have such a short um sort of uh perspective in time and so it's hard for us to adjust uh, or to take things in so quickly um and and to to sort of get used to a new um, season like mm. this. It's been very interesting. So yeah, we did have a lot of uh, flooding in our field um, in one of our most valuable crops, which is our dahlias. And so they're a oh. tuber under the ground. Yeah. And, um, you know, they can just, and of course, any plant that whose, pl whose roots are waterlogged um, is going to basically suffocate mm. and die. It's the same thing as sort of not having enough water, is that the roots can't absorb any more water and mm. they can't breathe, so they'll die. Um, do, yeah. you, do you have uh, a lot of people grow flowers uh, mm -hmm. in their home gardens? Um, any advice or anything that you've seen that people do that, or anything that would help them yeah. uh, get more out of it? Because the, the, the season, depending on the flowers that you plant, can go well into October. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, or at least through frost. So, um, so we grow a little bit undercover. So we have some protection that can allow us to, uh, you know, extend the season a bit. But um, I think one of the most important things is to actually cut your flowers because the more often for most uh, most varieties, the more that you cut them, the more that they're going to produce for you. And so, and if you're not cutting them to bring inside or share with your friends, then you can at least deadhead them and that will get, you know, encourages the plant to produce more flowers because of course the point of a flower is reproduction, right? Mm -hmm. And so once it has um, made the flower that attracts the pollinator that pollinates it and then makes the seed that is the point of the flower itself, the reproduction, then it's finished its job, right? So it doesn't need to reproduce more, especially annuals. They don't need to reproduce more after they've gone through that process. And so the more we can cut the flowers before they've uh, done their complete job, the more flowers we'll get. So if that's your goal, but it's also really fun to see the whole process to see the plant go to seed and make the seed because often the seed is a completely different structure from the flower itself. So for example, this is called nigella and, um, I don't know if we have a complete one here, but, um, this is, uh, also called love in a mist. Um, and so it's, um, really intricate, beautiful flower and it, um, turns into these amazing, very sort of alien looking seed pods. Um, and, and I, I love that. And I, am actually a seed collector as well. And so, um, you know, what we do is we'll let, we harvest these flowers and then we'll harvest the seed pods from these flowers. And then whatever we've missed, we'll take and save the seed from. So they make these big sort of balloon shaped striped seed pods. And then, um, once they're, they are nice and dry, then we can crush those and extract the seed and winnow and um and uh, and sift the seed so that we can have more regionally adapted Mm -hmm. varieties for the future um so which is really important in our region yeah and you mentioned uh deadheading just for uh those confused listeners (laughs) out there it actually has nothing to do with the grateful dead oh darn (laughs) it doesn't happen at Folsom field john no it doesn't but uh, it does happen in the fields the only other farming advice or gardening advice i'd pass on is uh, about tomatoes mm. and they're all they're all going crazy and in, in all in farms and everywhere else but uh, like with zucchini if you don't deadhead it if you don't uh, cut it back if you don't stop it from producing more blossoms then it won't concentrate on growing the tomatoes right or zucchini and uh so um i've learned uh, that uh like it's not quite like having children, but uh, it is related that you kind of have to cut it. You know, you gotta keep them under control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was going to say earlier that I thought Hosea has really. Uh, you can really see that he is a dad from that beautiful dad joke that he made about turn up the radio. <laughs> I mean, you can just. That's classic. Yeah, I mean, you've so done good. very well, I have to Thank say. Thank you. I so practice good. a lot. Oh, Everyone good. at work is super tired of it. So. That's great. <laughs> it's phenomenal. But, uh, we, but, uh, we, need, we need the humor yes. for sure. And, um, Caitlin, I wanted to just connect um, about, um, you know, the Threshold Project and the work that you're doing. Um, you know, I was at Dharma's Garden that morning that you did that awesome um, experience of beautiful Tai Chi in the field and ear acupuncture and, mm-hmm. and um, which I didn't even realize was, was existed until you told me about it with such um, beautiful intention. Um, so I just wanted to connect about, you know, the, the similarities between, you know, growing things 
and then taking those things that people grow and turning them into a moment, whether it's, you know, flowers for a wedding that are so meticulously crafted and laid out as this most powerful visual expression um, at a, a crucial um, energetic, you know, union of love, or, you know, Chef Hosea, what you, you and I do with ingredients and trying to transform them into something meaningful. It really all comes down, it's a subtle form of energy work. Mm -hmm. In many ways, some moments more profound than others, mm -hmm. uh, others very quiet um, and hidden. Um, so if you can talk a little bit about, you know, the, the energy work that mm -hmm. you're connecting with and the things that you're doing that unify growers, fields, farms, and humans. Yes. I love listening to you talk. So mm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> everything you just said is yes. Um, <laughs> so our North Star is is the is acknowledging and honoring thresholds. And as Helen was just talking about with the flowers, that there is this beautiful expression of the flower, you know, this kind of peak of liveliness that leads to reproduction. Um but there's also beauty in the seed and the wilting and the fading of the color and the dying back of the plant. And so what I'm so drawn to is encouraging people to look at all of the thresholds that are happening, right? And so these could be personal thresholds in your life. They could be seasonal thresholds. They could also be much larger collective places that we're at like where are we at with the environment right now right um and how do we acknowledge them and honor them and ultimately i think that that leads us to being more whole connected beings um <clears throat> and so we do this in a variety of ways um one of the ways we do this is we do a, a threshold summit um, in the fall. And last year we did it, we, we called it the death summit, which freaked out a lot of people. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> and it's a wide array of topics that circulate around life and death and everything that happens in between. Um, and this fall we'll be doing another threshold summit. And as I lean into these events, um, a lot of it does come from a spiritual place, which is just literally being in full presence with plants, elements, people, um, with my inner world, with my outer world, um, and seeing what is alive. Like, what do we want to talk about? What are we longing for? Um, and so this fall, the, the conversations that I'm going to bring in, and I do this also with music and art, it's not just dialogue, um, are going to be around impermanence, um, collapse. I think we're at a very interesting place with our agricultural system. I should say our conventional agricultural system. Yes. We're going to talk a lot about that. Um, and also compost. Something I've been thinking about in our culture is this overproduction that is happening without thinking about the consequences. We see overproduction in the human body in the form of cancer. We also see overproduction happening in the way that we're extracting resources and then just putting things out on our curb to be put in some sort of a landfill and become toxic waste. How can we compost all of these incredible materials that we're using? Um, and you know, there's so much we can learn from the farmers around this, yes. that every single part of the plant is important. I have something to share about um, gardening that mm -hmm. um, I think this trickled down from 
my my dad has a community garden in North Boulder um, in that growing gardens area. And uh, they there's this older woman who has this incredible garden plot. And they were watching her one day. My dad was telling me this. And she was cutting up all of the tomato leaves and sprinkling them on top of the soil. And it was like this aha moment. Like, oh my gosh, that tomato body has nutrients in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That came from the soil. Right. I should put those back in the soil. Yes. And that in a way everything we need is is already here as long as we don't throw it away. Um but could we compost it? Can we put it back? And can we compost it properly? Mm-hmm. Uh because there yeah. have been a lot of uh issues mm-hmm. with uh Home compost and business composting. It's been so challenging. Well, it just changed, right, Jose? Yeah, it just changed. Uh, The city, unfortunately, couldn't collect compost the way we were putting it in the cans anymore because there was too many containers. There wasn't enough actual organic Uh, food material. Well, and it was also polluted with non-recyclable. I mean, I watch people, even at our restaurants, people just literally throw their trash. They won't look. You know, they'll throw it in whichever been as closest to them and it's a it's a shame because i was really proud of boulder for having compost me too it was required in restaurants compost recycling and trash yes and we were producing more compost than trash at one point and now they don't collect it unless it's completely free of debris and we can't guarantee that when the public is involved like there's no real we can't right. control what if people it, do. if it's coming out of the kitchen and it's uh, vegetable peelings and things you know, yeah, fine. so, so we, we collect that internally, but yeah. as far as like, you know, when someone gets lunch at our at our market and they have a tray yeah. of, you know, there's tinfoil in there, there might be a compostable fork, but that's not allowed to go in the bin anymore. And so if they dump that all in there, the collectors won't take it. It just ends up in the landfill anyway. So it's a, we've definitely taken a step yeah. backwards with that. And it's just, I just wish yeah. people would slow down a little bit and pay attention yeah. just to what Caitlin's saying here is just. Think about what you're using and what you're not using and figure out if there's a way to what your, reuse it. What your impact is individually and collectively. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to uh, add a couple of uh, farm-related things. Uh, one is that uh, Three Leaf Farm, which uh, is connected to... Oh, yeah, uh, Leaf and Dushanbe and, and, and yeah, Chautauqua. Lenny, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lenny and... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're going to do start doing a little mini pop-up uh, farmer's market right in front of Chautauqua Dining Hall uh, on uh, Sundays, uh, starting this That's starting the, starting this Sunday. Cool. And uh, this weekend at, and next Wednesday at the uh, Boulder and Longmont Farmer's Market, it's, uh, it's a stone fruit celebration. Mm, and I just bring, yeah. that, I bring that up because uh, so often people are, um, you know, with, with various fruits and vegetables, they, they really only know one one variety you know that's that's available but especially like with peaches uh and tomatoes for that matter it once you start tasting them successively you go oh well this one has different flavors and nuances and this one's a little saltier and this one you know is firm and would be good for a cobbler and this one you know so um it's a good opportunity to uh taste around um so anyway i wanted to mention that also, uh, there's a wonderful market in Wheat Ridge called Heine's Market, and uh, it, is, it is a stunning uh, place. They, they go over to the western slope every day, and they, they have, 
I, the, the other day they had seven varieties of peaches huh. on hand. Really? And they had, best of all, sorry to bring up pie again, but <laughs> they have Montmorency, fresh Montmorency uh, cherries. Yeah. The, the perfect tart cherry for virtually anything. They also have them frozen, which is usually how you get them. But they're hard to find, especially from Colorado, so... I, I wanted to give them a plug. What's the name of the market again? It's called Heine's, H-E-I-N-E-S. It's an old family-run uh, uh, operation. Uh, they get in uh, a world, you know, they'll have eight or ten kinds of uh, chilies from various places, uh, both uh, Hatch and... Uh, uh, the only true green chili. Yeah. Uh, and uh, feel, <laughs> feel, feel free to call 303-442-4242 and uh, argue with uh, Jose about that. Uh, I just I just lit the flame, didn't I? I well, I want to shout out Pueblo and all the work that's being done there. <laughs> for the, Oh, shoot. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's a homeboy. Yeah. I grew up in New Mexico. I, I just got to stay, I stay gotta, true. Yeah. No, it's, it's like, yeah, 100%. It's like, got, we got our prejudice. Packers and bears right now. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to shout out the farming community in Pueblo and the amazing work that they're doing in many different arenas, including delicious chilies. Okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, what's uh, coming up, uh, of things that people can and can check on, how they can uh, check on them. Uh, so... What do you, Daniel? What do you got coming up? I know you got a farm dinner because I'm going to it. Oh, but, are you coming? But, yeah, Lions Farmette, August thirtieth. But, but that's sold out. It is, yeah, that yeah. is sold out. But and there's I, also a, a wait list as well, like Hosea said. Yeah, whenever you know there's a a farm dinner opportunity, I think it's important if you see that it's sold out to just reach out and say, hey, can I put my name down because uh, things shift and things uh -huh. change, and inevitably there'll be you know a couple extra seats that you know ended up. Um, you know, a couple of folks dropped out in there. Um, there wasn't mm -hmm. uh, replacement, but so support your farm but, dinners by. But, but do you have anything else bulk, coming up? Bulking them up. Um, anything specific? I'm there, I mean, there's a, an awesome um, uh, soil dinner coming up. Um, yeah, there's a slow food um, slow food event at uh, Sunflower Farm in Longmont, um, where um, my daughter goes to uh, school. A shout out to uh, Love You Tulsi Amri. Um, Didi, uh, shout out to them. But uh, yeah, Sunflower Farm has an amazing program for kids um, and an awesome um, agricultural experience and, and, and gives kids the knowledge of how to care for farm animals and how to take care of things. Um, and the best way to uh, find out uh, online about things that you're doing? Uh, the best thing is to check. Um, yeah, just follow uh, Instagram River and Woods is probably the best um, mm -hmm. best place to keep mm -hmm. uh, keep tabs on on things that we're doing um, in the community and in the um, and in the restaurant. I also wanted to say I brought some beautiful um, zucchini from Olin Farms and I made a um, uh, garlic scape and almond uh, pesto using scapes from Dharma's Garden. Oh. Um, that were you know harvested a, a while back that I uh, that I preserved and then turned into um, a um, escape and uh, almond pesto. So if you guys want to dive into that little little nibble, little seasonal, mm -hmm. all this talk mm -hmm. about farms, I think we need to have some uh, related nibbles. And I'm, uh, I'm escaping to your garden right now. There you okay? There you go. Excellent. That, was, I that like wasn't that, the, but quite I'm, the same day. That was joke. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I tried. You guys uh, missed really that good. over there. It's really good. You missed uh -huh. that. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Jose, what do you uh, have to, uh, <laughs> well, now that your mouth is uh, full of uh, delicious food? Uh, but what do you have uh, coming up that people might want to check up on? Well, we do, as as Daniel does as well, we have another Farmette dinner, uh, Lions Farmette, 
and that's on September 6th. Again, sold out, but you can definitely get on the wait list. The last dinner we did, we capped it at 65, quote unquote, and we ended up doing 90. Um, so there, there's sometimes great. there's more room. Right. Um, Always we, another table and chairs. Yeah. yeah. We're doing our um, Sylvie's Neighborhood motorcycle ride with Vana on the 15th of October, which is a Sunday. If you ride motorcycles, reach out to, um, you can either go to Vana, V-A-H-N-A, or Sophie's Neighborhood, or the Triumph BMW shop in Denver, and they have information on this ride, and then there's a big party afterwards, and we'll have ice cream and all kinds of stuff. Um, and then, great. yeah, just follow us on our at our restaurants at Blackbelly or Santo on Instagram and Facebook or Sophie's Neighborhood. All right. And uh, Helen? Oh, great. Thanks for asking. Um, what you got coming up? Plenty of things. So um, our farm stand at the farm is currently open. You can come and get flowers from me, veggies from Speedwell, um, meat and eggs. So, from... so it's an actual farm stand that's open every day? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, every day? Yeah, yeah we right. are open every day. It's sort of at the back of our um, our greenhouse. Um, and we don't have a sign on the road yet, and that's why it's not like... That's okay. great. Yeah. So, I, so, so are the hours... Mm-hmm. Uh, the hours are from noon to six on weekdays and ten to six on weekends. So I don't have wow. to. So I don't have to feel bad about uh, it not being in the huge uh, guide to Boulder County farm stands. That's <laughs> correct. In, that's <laughs> it's in, okay. And by the way, that that is in today's Boulder Weekly. You can find it at boulderweekly.com, and it's a guide to all the cool roadside hey, farm that's stands. Great. Yeah, it's, it was very hard to put together, and that's out today. Yeah, and it's just weird that no other organization, governmental or private, has put together this thing that I did. That is awesome, John. I'm very proud of it. Thanks for doing that. That's awesome. Yeah, Uh, so get out there. Get out there. Well, yeah, the the Boulder County Farmer's Market is really cool, but there's a lot of places where you can go direct to the farms, and I think a lot of people miss that. Well, and they they have things that they don't, they grow in small quantity, and and you Mm -hmm. go there and go, what what is that? Like, I went to uh, Cure farm and they had this weird green looking stock and i said what is that a cardoon or something and they said no it's uh celsus celtis celtis yes it's a chinese celery kind of and it's got this emerald green core to it and if you saute it it's just uh lovely but it doesn't taste like anything else we have a dish on our menu of black belly right now with celtis Wow. That's cool. What's the dish? It's a uh, a hamachi crudo with thin shaved like poached celtis stock. Uh, It's better. I I think it's better cooked. It It, is. It can be very astringent when it's raw. That's a good word. It looks like a lettuce stock. It's got these little lettuce leaves at the top, but it's not. It's like the most bitter lettuce you ever had. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, come to the farm stand, and then I'd like to just point out, Caitlin and I have yoga and bouquets coming up on September 9th. Uh, I think that's about half full now, so um, that's in the evening, and it's just a lot of fun. We do an hour of yin yoga, usually, or maybe a little bit more active yoga, and then we'll go out in the field, cut flowers, and make bouquets. Um, so it's really it's right. really a special experience you get to, to do yoga outside and then... Do they get to eat? Uh, <laughs> no, there's no eating involved with this. No with eating. This particular. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. But flowers are food for the soul. Okay. Oh, so. yes. All right. All right. <laughs> yes. Well done. Well done. And uh, <laughs> and this and, uh, uh, yeah and this also this zucchini and uh, dip. What's in this dip? Oh, it's just um, an assortment uh, of three different kinds of basil, um, roasted almonds, uh, garlic scapes, olive oil, sea salt. 
That's about it. Which goes to show. Super simple. Just pa- like mom used to make. Pa- Parmesan. <laughs> which yeah. goes to show, if you were listening, pesto can be many things. And uh-huh, uh, yeah. it's a good way to use uh, things from the garden. Yeah. yeah. Like, different, like carrot tops and, and you know? um, different things that people would mentally, you know, consider a discard. Um, like you were saying, you know, everything can be utilized. I think whenever we, we talk about, um, you know, food um, in the form of, you know, animal, vegetable or mineral, um, there's so many different ways to utilize every element and every aspect. Um, and it's important to know how and not be afraid of it and to just lean into it. 100%. Yeah, which is very important. So, bouquet, so the other, yoga other couple of things, great. yeah, yoga and bouquets, which is a great time. And then another couple of things on um, our, our farm, we have wearable flowers, and that's going to be on August 12th. Um, so that's like flower crowns and boutonnieres and fun things. It's a really fun workshop to bring your kids to. That's great. We've got um, our hand-tied bouquets uh, on August 26th, and that's um, just a couple of different kinds of bouquets. So I make this bouquet that I brought to the studio um, in my hand in a spiral technique, and then I'll also teach... Um, our claw technique which is more of a loose freeform uh wedding bouquet so bridal bouquet technique we have a couple of other things but you can find out all about that on our website which is artemisflowerfarm.com that's a-r-t-e-m-i-s as in the goddess and um i'm sure caitlin has a lot of other uh events to share so yes caitlin what do you got what do you got coming up at a risk of overloading our listeners here (laughs) um so everything is at thresholdproject.org. Um, the ones I want to highlight, speaking of Dharma's Garden, where those uh, garlic scapes came from, is we're doing a late summer Friday morning yoga series in their stone circle. Has uh, anybody been out to Dharma's Garden and the magic, stone circle? Pure magic. Whoa. You do feel different. And I, that's why I'm j- just go. Get your body out there. Yeah. Um, so on Fridays at 7.30 a.m., we are going to have some of the best yoga teachers in Boulder rotating weekly. Um, That's great. So that'll be through mid-September. Hopefully on a more affordable scale than a lot of yoga classes. We do sliding scale. It'll be $12 to $24. So you can pay um, within that range. Uh, And then the other big one is November 4th and 5th is when we'll do the Threshold Summit. It's a two-day long event with dialogues, uh, music, and art. This is at Yellow Barn Farm, and that is the event that we're going to be talking about impermanence, compost, and collapse at. Um, You will see a lot of incredible local people that you may love and know, and maybe some new ones that you aren't super aware of uh, speaking on that lineup. Excellent. And Yellow Barn does have the stock market, uh, which is an amazing, uh, mm. magical little uh, collective of incredible growers and, it's sort of, um, and, and it's, ranchers. It's a <clears throat> micro market. And I, I drove by it, actually, and then I started looking into it. It's great. It, it's sort of a, a roadside farm stand, but you have to be a member. Yes. Exa- yeah, exactly. Yeah, but you can get a, like a... But it's super a, a simple. Temporary it's just a little card. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a lot, you know, just so you can experience it. But uh, Wednesdays through Sundays, I think, yeah, 10 to yeah, 5. Yeah. I, know, I was thinking. Yeah. But it's a, it's a very cool place. It's, so cool. Just pull on in. And, yeah. You know, we're right off the. The, the road to uh, the road to Lions just you know pull off and and uh, park and, and walk in and just take a moment to acknowledge the beauty mm. that is in that space and um, frankly you know after this past month in order to put together this guide to Boulder County roadside farm stands well I spent a lot of time doing something I really enjoy which is driving around in the country in Boulder County yeah and uh, that alone for me is a spiritual experience 
um, you know, you're out in the weather and you'll be driving along and suddenly I, you know, like I forget it was on North 73rd or something. I'm driving along and I see this sign for, uh, I think it said, uh, veg, uh, crafts and jam or something off on the side. And I said, I got to pull in there and you pull in there and it's this cute little shack and there's jams and it's just, you know, it's, it's, what's it called? I, I, you know, I don't think it had a name, but okay. but I have the I have the location in the guide, which you can find. That's in, great. You know, uh, but uh, I I urge you to get out and uh, explore it. We're coming up at the end of kitchen table talk. This has been incredible and wonderful, yeah. and uh, thank. I just want to thank everyone for uh, getting up and uh, being here, for bringing the flowers and the burritos and the uh, pesto, yeah, and uh, just uh, enlivening and educating everyone. Hundred percent. Yeah, Caitlin, it's been Helen, an honor Hosea. to be among you guys. Thank you. So good. Thanks a lot. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be in the company of you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks we'll be back here on the first Thursday of the month, and I'll be back here next week for Radio Nibbles. Be kind. Eat local.